Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. CyberStationUSA.com. Terrestrial radio is basically going to be supplanted by what's happening in technology. Think about this. Your internet receiver gives you the entire world. It's remarkable. This is CyberStation USA. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. I'm on the line. I'm on the line. Fantastic. So I'm really, really excited, the honor to have on the program from Star Trek and beyond, Jason Matthew Smith. Jason, thanks for calling, man. And I'm sure you're excited as can be with the release of the film, aren't you? Oh, man, I'm counting count it down the seconds until it uh, hits theaters. Exactly. <laughs> and, and we're going to get into that story, but really interesting enough, again, it's going to premiere at San Diego Comic-Con on July 20th and theaters nationwide July 22nd. Is that different for the Star Trek brand to do something like that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is our 50th anniversary of the Trek fan- franchise. It's hard to believe it's been 50 years since the uh, original series aired. But uh, this is kind of our, our golden anniversary, and they wanted to do something big. But this premiere is something that is is even more unbelievable than that because it's on, I believe it's the first ever outdoor IMAX theater, and we have the San Diego Symphony playing the score live while the movie is going on. So oh it's going to have a bit of a rock, uh, a rock star, you know, uh, feel to the entire experience there. Absolutely. And, and, and there's nothing, nothing, nothing like comic cons are there. There's nothing like it. Well, uh, you know, this will be my first, so I've never really, uh, had any, you know, sort of experience with that uh, world, and I'm I'm really excited and a bit nervous to see how it all uh, how, how it all plays out. So, tell me the story a little bit. Tell me that quick story about uh, how you got involved in the Star Trek films because you've been in the first two of this new series, and uh, how that happened. Well, I uh, got a call from my agent. I just found out my wife was pregnant. And, uh, you know, riding a high from that. And also, you know, as a father, you know, a bit nervous about the whole providing prospect. And, and then yes. I got a call for this, went in, put it down on tape uh, for producers and came back. And, and they, uh, they said I had booked it. I, I really didn't know what I was auditioning for at the time. Uh, my agent kind of hinted that it might have, might be Star Trek, but when I went in to read the script uh, for the audition, it was names like Farm Boy, you know, Jimmy Joe, and 
you know, things right. like this as the character names to kind of hide the they don't, they don't. and protect. Uh, yeah. And once you got it, you were thrilled, weren't you? Oh, man, it was an amazing uh, jubilation. I actually, when, when he called, uh, my agent called me and, and gave me the uh, the word, I, like, fell to my knees right there in the street and just was saying, thank you, God. <laughs> and, that, and there you have it. It's that, that, that exciting for sure. And the interesting story that I've been hearing about is you didn't think you'd be in the third one. You were in the first two, and uh, the third comes out, and you thought you were done, right? You thought it was not, not going to happen. Yeah. Well, when we did uh, In the Darkness, um, I actually shot a death scene. And, you know, my part in, in the uh, In the Darkness is very brief. You see me, like, on screen for all of, like, three seconds. But I shot for three months, and but it all ended up leading to my death. And when I went to go see the, uh, the film, the premiere with my wife, uh, you know, I... I my scene came up, and where I was supposed to die, I just kind of glossed over it, and I was, um, they didn't show it. And I, I, I said, I'm alive. And uh, <laughs> I got, uh, I, I was really happy, and I thought, you know, maybe I have a shot at doing the third. But once they uh, started the third, uh, I didn't get a call or anything from uh, anybody. And, and it wasn't until, I heard Simon Pegg got brought in, brought in to uh, to do the writing on it, and I had Simon's email from the uh, first movie, and I'd never emailed him in eight years because I just, you know, I didn't want to be that guy who's, you know, always right. hitting up people, and uh, and then I just sent him a quick little email and said, hey Simon, if you have anything for me, I'd love to do it, and he emailed me back right away and he said. Well, absolutely. We have something for you. We got to keep the band together, and uh, hopefully, we'll see you in Vancouver. And there you have it. So, tell us about your character, Cupcake. Uh, Cupcake. He was a cadet in the first one um, with Ahura, and had the bar fight with uh, Kirk, and then later became a uh, crewman on board the USS Enterprise and arrested Kirk when he and uh, Scotty illegally beamed on board. And then I was there when uh, Kirk actually became captain. Second one, I went on the mission with uh, Kirk uh, and Spock and Ahura to go capture Khan on the planet Kronos. And then this uh, new th- uh, new film, Beyond, I can't really say much about it other than my character's name is Lieutenant Endorf, and I'm still uh, uh, a crew member of the USS Enterprise. I wear the red shirt. Oh, so again, this is, this is, uh, this is secrecy. This is how it works, and being part of the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, as you talked about at the beginning of this interview, makes you psyched and have you become more of a trekkie after being part of this three series movies now are you feeling your 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 trekkiness coming on in the history and stuff? I, I, I am feeling my trekkiness coming on <laughs> i uh I, re- I really love the whole uh the whole world of trek it's different from you know star wars or you know some of the other uh film franchises out there 
ours is, you know, it's very much based in, in science and technology that could actually exist one day. And uh, I think it's inspired a lot of scientists. And I, I kind of get into that aspect of it, the whole uh, technology science part of, uh, of Trek. Absolutely. And, and again, working with J.J. Abrams, last question, amazing, right, working with J.J.? He's really put a new spin on things. I saw the trailer when it came out, and it was amazing. Uh, it's going to be a great film yeah. for sure. JJ is—he's uh, such a, a genius. Um, he, he remembers everybody's name on the uh, on the crew, the background. He—I don't know how he does it, but uh, he's really a, a genius at movie making, and he's, he's kind of our. Our Spielberg, our generations, uh, Lucas, he's just at the top of his game right now and, and kind of has the Midas touch. And uh, he yep. knows how to yep. tell a story, and, and, and he does it in a first-class way. And uh, with uh, Justin Lynn, he's our new uh, director on this one, too. He, he comes from the Fast and the Furious franchise. He's kind of injected a lot of energy and... Um, and action into our uh, into our film. So it's I, I think by far and away this is going to be the movie to see in the summer when it comes out on July twenty twenty second in theaters North America. Yeah. Everybody has to go see it. Well, everyone needs to go follow you on Twitter at Star Trek Cupcake on Twitter, JasonMatthewSmith.com, Facebook.com, JasonMatthew.Smith. July 22nd, it premieres all, I mean, premieres July 20th, San Diego Comic-Con, July 22nd, theaters across North America. Thanks for calling, man. Take care, and I appreciate you coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. See you later. Bye-bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show. We'll be back in just a minute. So I'm so excited to welcome the program. We all know him from Jurassic Park, but he's an award-winning actor. I'm excited to welcome the program, Sam Neal. Sam, thanks for calling, man. And how are you today? I'm great. I'm in Australia. It's um, it's 9:30 at night, and um, I think it's pretty early for you. Yeah, it's pretty early for me. But I do interviews all the time. I had an interview last night. I did a radio show 11 p.m. Eastern last night. So and then finish it at midnight. So it's been it's a constant always go, go, go for sure, Sam. Uh again we're today so, we're talking So you're sleep deprived. Oh, I guess. But it, it, i guess when I get older I'll even be more sleep deprived. But I have uh, uh I'm an entrepreneur and you know how it is for sure and all those things. Now today what we're talking about cool. is this awesome film, Hunt for the Wilder People, and it's starring you and it's already in select theaters mm-hmm. and uh Sam, tell me about that project. Uh, look, it's it's a it's a little film from New Zealand. Um, I um, I uh, this script kind of arrived in, in the mail. I was already familiar with the director. His name is Taika Waititi. Uh, he did a very very good film called Boy about four years ago, and he did a film last year called What We Do in the Shadows, a vampire film, which was very funny. Um, and I'd kind of had my eye on this guy, and I thought, I'd, this is someone I'd, he's from New Zealand, where I'm from, and I thought, this is someone I'd really like to work with sometime. So when the script arrived, 
<laughs> I found it very kind of affecting and touching and poignant, but also very funny. Too. So I thought this is something I don't really want to miss out on. And, and most definitely, when you think about uh, the storyline, and I was reading up on it and stuff and saying, wow, you, you put something, a story like this kind of reminds me of the days of some of the uh, stories of the outback and or the thought process of New Zealand and, you know, Australia and wh- how different the environment can be in certain places. So the, 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 the uh, kid, Ricky, was a hip-hop, he was raised on hip-hop and foster care, and then he had a start in the New Zealand countryside. So take it from there. I mean, in, in the situation of how it changed his life in from one environment to this environment. Well, this is a kid who's been abandoned. He's been he's gone from foster home to to foster home. This is his last resort, and he ends up with this couple um, in um, a very isolated part of New Zealand. Then tragedy strikes. And um, me, the the old geezer in the film, grumpy old geezer, and this and this thirteen um, year old kid are kind of on the run in the bush. So it's um, yeah, people have described it as a comedy. I don't think it is a comedy, although it's kind of mostly hilarious. Mm. Uh, interesting. And um, yeah, yeah, it deals with some quite serious things, but. Um, People come out of it feeling kind of refreshed and and um, sort of happy to be happy to be alive and part of humankind. I don't know. I've never. I've done a lot of movies, but I've never had. I've, this is unique in that I've never had such warm feedback from something I've done before. Oh, it has a, a tremendous rating. Uh, I'm seeing that uh, people really raved about the film so far, and that's fantastic. And I think that. When you talk about what Ricky had to deal with and then going to foster care and then going to this place and the storyline comes from there, Ricky feels like a really it's strange, right? He's in a very uh, wilderness-type mm. place that he's not used to. And that's, that's the part. Yeah, he, he's, really a kind of, he's, he's a kind of hip-hop city dude. Um, but, you know, uh, both the old guy and the kid are... CyberStationUSA.com. Terrestrial radio is basically going to be supplanted by what's happening in technology. Think about this. Your internet receiver gives you the entire world. It's remarkable. This is CyberStation USA. Outsiders. They're both kind of damaged. So it's, um, uh, yeah, we're talking about very marginalized people. Um, and a journey that they take together. And that, that people have to definitely check the journey out together. Were, are you been impressed by the feedback? Have you been excited about how much people have been talking about the film and the success so far? Well, I always thought that people would like it, but it was it been a surprise as to what to, to how people have really warmed to it. And we keep um, at every film festival it's gone to, it gets it seems to get the audience awards. Um, it's a it's a it's a film that's taken people by surprise and took me by surprise too. I have to say, no no one really expected this. Yeah, absolutely. And and Rotten Tomatoes has uh, it has a hundred percent of Rotten Tomatoes, and that's got to be 
impressive as well. And I, as an educator myself and, uh, and having five kids, I see this as a great storyline to see what you, you're placed in one position place and go to somewhere else. Is Ricky from New Zealand? Is the whole movie based on a, a kid that was like in the city in New Zealand that ended up going to the wilderness, or was he coming from the U.S.? Oh no, he's he's a he's a he's a New Zealand kid. He's Ma, a Maori kid, and um, uh, no, the, I think the whole story is very New Zealand. It has that kind of um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Flight of the Concords. Taika, okay. the director, um, is is kind of part of that gang, so it has that sort of offbeat New Zealand approach to humour that is fairly unique, actually. No, Sam, uh, July fifteenth. Uh, there, it's in another theater. It's going to be in selected theater. So you need to, yeah, you need to get online to find out where it where it's playing. Okay, fantastic. We'll talk about all the different places now. Sam, one question I have to ask: Being part of Jurassic Park, that changed your life, didn't it? For sure, in so many ways, in your acting career and everything. Wouldn't you agree? Um, I guess it. I, uh, well, I'm I'm not entirely sure about that. It, it made me more familiar with dinosaurs. Um, I, I knew nothing about them prior prior to that, um, and it was great fun to do. And I'm I was very happy to be part of it. I'm not sure if it changed my life, but um, uh, it, it was a nice franchise to be involved in. Yes, exactly. Lots of personal appearances for the rest of your life. <laughs> sure, Sam. Uh, best place we can find information mm. on you and stuff, Sam, is where can we go? Where can we go? Where can we find more information on you, Sam? Where can we go? Oh, okay, on me. Um, well, yeah. look, um, uh, I also make wine. So if you go to the two, my my wine is called Two Paddocks. And if you go to the Two Paddocks uh, website, there's there's more than you could possibly ever want to know about me. I think. All right, well, fantastic. <laughs> and about wine. Good. Do you have a Twitter, Sam, or no? You're not social. Me- you have any social media? Yeah. Um, um, uh, my my Twitter feed is Neil at Paddocks. And we also can mm. go find on the social media for hashtag Wilder People on Twitter at Wilder People People and Facebook.com hunt for the Wilder People. Thanks for calling, Sam. Best of luck and uh, con- and congrats on the success of the film, man. Take care. Thanks very much. It's a, it's a pleasure talking to you. Take care. Take care, Sam. You're listening to the Total Celebrity Show. We'll be back in just a moment. I hear you. I hear you. Did you hear me? Fantastic. Excited to welcome the program celebrity John Schneider. John, thanks for calling, man. And uh, when you think about your career. Hey, congratulations you on your success. Congratulations on this podcast, this cast, this whole thing. You, you've taken the technology by the horns. <laughs> Love that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we go to terrestrial radio, we go to TV, we go everywhere, John. It's a fantastic thing. Thank you. I appreciate that for sure. I wanted to tell you uh, about your career and how it spanned the globe in so many years. You're so happy you've worked so long as an actor, aren't you, John? <laughs> I am, but, you know, I'm tenacious. I'm, uh, I'm tenacious. I don't know any better. I have, uh, as Denver Pyle on Duke said, he said, John, you have the strength of your ignorance. Keep doing it. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know things are impossible. Just, just like you, you know, you, 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 uh, you have an idea, you run with it, and and uh, you just keep going until you reach the finish line. You don't take no for an answer, right? 
Exactly. When people keep a, saying you're you're done working, you find another niche, you find another opportunity. Look at your career from Dukes of Hazard to moving on to Smallville, and then uh, Tyler Perry, and now with your own studios. I know you're excited about talking about Like Sun. Oh yeah. I watched the trailer, and it's it's awesome. It really is. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. It's the first. It's the first film we have, and, and the really exciting part is that we are distributing it ourselves through our own uh, distribution platform called Cineflix DOD. And what that means is we have, we have designed something out there in cyberspace that is uh, certainly not yet, but eventually, hopefully, competitive with the with the Netflix and Hulus of the world designed oh, wow. specifically, specifically around the needs of the independent filmmaker, because that's what we are. We're independent filmmakers. And many times, or actually all the time, when an independent filmmaker makes something that's good, somebody, somebody who already has a distribution arm that's all about the business will come and offer them a few pennies on the dollar and take it from them, you know, just like anything else. And then eventually cut the independent filmmaker out of the deal. Um, just like with a radio show, if you've got a podcast that goes national, all of a sudden, you know, the smartest people in the world are, are, uh, are the ones that are recognizing talent, sadly, taking it and using it for their own financial benefit. Well, our, our company, since we are independent filmmakers, we're all about making sure that the independent filmmaker gets most of the check because that's what we want. You know, we do all the work, right? We do all the work. Why shouldn't we, uh, why shouldn't we benefit from it? So anyway, the movie is called Like Sun. It's a psychological crime drama, and it comes out. It's available for streaming starting this Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central. And the reason I did that is I have this, I have this notion that there's a, uh, like a collective consciousness of, if a bunch of people are watching the same thing at the same time, even though they're in different rooms, that it right. could feel like going to the movies when I was a kid. It's, it's, all, it's all about trying to make, take a, a digital cyber world and have it feel like going to the movies did when I was in Mount Kisco, New York, back in the 60s. I want people to feel that way. Right. And yeah. you're all about so, teaching. So this is, a, this is a, the, the first, one, first one that we're offering up. Uh, we made it about a year ago. It stars Don Shanks, who was Michael Myers in Halloween. Uh, he was also in a movie oh, wow. I did. If people, if people watch Smothered, then uh, he's, uh, he's in Smothered. He's a great guy, and he's fantastic in this movie. Wow, wow. So, Did I lose you? So, yeah, no, I'm listening. I'm hearing you, John. You're cutting out a little bit, but I'm hearing you. Good. Now, when, when, you talk, when you talk about, you know, the, it, working with independent films, you're all about educating people, too. Part of this interactive event on July 14th is to interact with the, with the uh, other independent filmmakers and other people throughout that yes. stream, right? That's the goal. Yes, immediately, immediately following the movie, when the movie is over, uh, if you've never been to a film festival, then you, you won't know what this is like. But at a film festival, 
when the movie is over, the lights come up, and then the filmmakers come up and sit in chairs right in front of the screen where you just watch their movie, and they answer questions. So what we're doing with this is, through the, the magic of all this, this great technology we live with these days, we will have a camera at the back of our screening room here at the studio. And uh, as soon as the movie is over, the lights will come up, the camera will go on, and then we'll be available for uh, live questions and answers, which wow. is just okay. amazing if you, if you consider, <laughs> consider that. Uh, when I was a kid, Walt Disney actually gave that vibe at the beginning of The Wonderful World of Disney. He was in his office, and he was talking right into the camera, and he made it, uh, he made it very personal. So if yeah. you're an independent filmmaker and you have questions or you're an actor, an actress, you have questions about the acting process or the casting process, then I'd love to have you at the Q&A. It'll be as if you are right here at the studio in our screening room. So it's going to be cool. And we plan on doing that uh, every time we release a new film through Cineflix from a studio, uh, whether it's ours or another independent filmmaker. We will have them here, and we will be fielding questions. So it's, uh, it's a. I think it's a. I think it's going to change the way people think about independent filmmaking, and certainly about independent film distribution. That's the goal, anyway. You're John. You're an innovator that sees that you know the success of Netflix. You see the success of these other places, and now say, let's give the independent filmmaker an opportunity. You see reality television shows where. They, the, the people that are really acting him don't make the money. You want the independent filmmaker to have the opportunity and provide a platform instead of them busting their humps, raising money. Here's the platform right for you, and you're willing to take your years of acting experience and directing and producing and teach others how to have success. See diamonds in the rough, it sounds. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to put this story, help the storyteller get right back in the, in the middle of the business, and especially in the part that makes the money. Because if you don't make money, you can't make your next movie. If you just made a movie that is fantastic and people laugh or cry when they watch it, it should be easier to make your next movie. Right. <laughs> you shouldn't have to go back out. You certainly shouldn't have to apologize to people who invested in your movie because the distributor took, took all the profit. So exactly. we're trying to eliminate that we're trying to make it so the independent filmmaker is right there at the center, not only of the storytelling, but of the financial, the financial chain of what happens after you have a success. And if you, if you are of that mind, then if you have an independent film and you want to be involved in Cineflix, we also have a film festival. Just go to Cineflix, D-O-D, and that's C-I-N-E-F-L-I-X-D-O-D, which, by the way, means digital on demand. I don't know why the big boys call it video on demand. There's no video involved. Uh, right. And learn about what we're doing. We can help you because we are you and we want to help you. So get involved. It's Man. great. And this movie uh, is I great. Don Shanks knocks it out of the park. And, and so oh, and by the way, the trailer you mentioned. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Sorry. The trailer you mentioned is up on that site. So, folks, if you, if you go to the site, don't worry. Clicking on the site will not charge you anything. You can watch the trailer and decide for yourself if you want to see Like Sun. I'm hoping you'll decide to watch it. 
John, I'm going to tell you, it seems really a, a lot of questions and a lot, and, and there's some real drama in it, and really, and oh, really yeah. uh, wondering what's going to happen next, and who did it, and uh, the scariness of <laughs> murder and intrigue. So people need to check it out. July 14th, 8 p.m. Central, correct? Correct. But you can buy it now. You can pre-buy it okay. right now. Once, once, you, uh, once you buy the movie, then you can watch it anytime you want. But I'm urging people to buy it. I'm sorry. Urging people to buy it, but then to watch it on, uh, on Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central so that we're all watching it at the same time. But you can watch it anytime you like. Neil and John, I'm sorry to cut in, but I just have to, we just have to move right, on, cool. John. Sounds good. Facebook. Okay, hey, thank you very much. I appreciate it. CyberStationUSA.com. Terrestrial radio is basically going to be supplanted by what's happening in technology. Think about this. Your internet receiver gives you the entire world. It's remarkable. This is CyberStation USA. And like, like on the sunmovie.com. Take care, guys. See ya. You're listening to the Total Celebrity Show. We'll be back in just a moment. Ready to welcome the program. Former WBC, WBC welterweight champion Victor Ortiz of the Celebrity Family Feud. Victor, thanks for calling, man. And how are you today? How are you this morning? It's a beautiful day here in Pittsburgh. Where are you calling from? Hey, I'm in uh, LA, Los Angeles, California. Well, no problem, Victor. I appreciate you coming on. You know, did you grow up watching Family Feud, Victor? To be honest with you, no. I've heard about the show my whole life since I was a youngster, and uh, it was funny because I saw Steve Harvey, and I'm like, man, I remember him when he had hair. <laughs> he probably would have buy standing for that one, but I was like, wow, this is amazing. The coolest thing ever. Though. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up watching Family Feud. Saw, I guess I'm dating myself, Victor, and I I've saw so many different hosts, but Steve has a different spin to things. It makes it very interesting. You have to stay on your toes, don't you? Oh, man. He's pretty awesome. He's pretty amazing. He makes you feel like home, you know? Like, it's kind of interesting how the people that sometimes you don't really know what to expect or how to feel around them, but he's the first time we ever meet was on the set. I'm just like, man, this guy's amazing. He's actually a super nice guy. So I know the competition again uh, this Sunday – uh, 8 p.m. Eastern on ABC, Professional Boxer Showdown. Who are you going against, Victor? Tell us the teams. Oh, man, interesting enough, uh, we were, Sugar Shane Mosley uh, is my, my idol since I was a little kid. And uh, rudely and oddly enough, he and I go miss each other. <laughs> and uh, it even gets a little even, even more interesting because we were actually sparring partners while we were doing family shoot. <laughs> Um, he's against me. I'm against him. Uh, my team, he has his team. His, his team, team Shane Rose, lines of Steve Baker. Gotcha, gotcha. What do you think we're going to find surprising about you uh, in answering questions on Celebrity Family Feud? Are we going to be surprised with some of your answers? I think you're just going to be laughing at the fact of how big of a goofball I am along with all the boys, you know, <laughs> all the champs. Pretty, pretty crazy. It's funny, the boys, and the boys probably ribbed you afterwards, right? Because I'm a part of your fraternity. I'm a former professional wrestler, Victor, 
And we all, as the boys are the boys, probably after the taping, they were probably joking around with you and laughing it up, weren't they? Oh, man, they uh, they still do. They laugh, they joke, just like on a regular. I swap numbers to quite a few of them. So it was a great time, you know, just it's like a, like you just said, it's like a flat for sure. It's, it's a fun time. Everybody respects what Absolutely. you do for a living because and, and, they've been through there, you know. So it's, it's they pretty, definitely, pretty awesome. They definitely, uh, uh, they're pretty awesome for sure. And if you look at you look at the excitement that what happens with uh, everything in, in a celebrity family feud, it's it's just it's just it's just a lot a lot of fun for sure. And uh, is there one little hint, one question that you, people will be surprised about that you can kind of give us a hint for Sunday night? Now, to be quite honest with you, there's not really much to be like. Oh, okay. It's it's pretty much out there. It's one of those things where. I am me, and, and I just don't hide a whole lot. So, no, not, not necessarily. Would you say in your on, is it helpful a lot with some of the other stuff you've done, uh, like Dancing with the Stars and different things like that, to go in front of something like this, especially with uh, with an audience of a celebrity family feud and, and, and go in front of cam- uh, cameras? It's easier because you, you're doing some acting and you've done some other stuff involving reality shows. Oh, it absolutely does. You know, just this whole acting world, um, it definitely makes it easier to be in back behind a camera, to to be me, be myself, the person that I am, the actor, the, the host, whatever I am, in front of the camera. Because, man, just with the, thanks to those experiences, and I, I can say I can definitely feel pretty comfortable and, and be me. And uh, are you going to be doing any live tweeting, Victor, on Sunday night with your fans or different people about the celebrity family? Team? Definitely. Absolutely. I'll, I'll be doing some tweeting along with uh, my team and whatnot. So, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Where can we follow you, Victor, and stuff? Places we can follow you and stuff. Where at? Um, on Twitter, it's uh, Vicious Ortiz. Uh, Instagram, it'd be ITS. V O R T I Z. It's V O R T S. Awesome. So I will be checking at, checking that out, getting on your Twitter sphere, tweeting it out. We'll get it out to syndication uh, to prepare, pr- promote for Sunday. Also, uh, the other uh, part of the showdown on Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern is Jolie Fisher versus Tony Hawk. Did you get a chance to talk to Tony at all? He's the legend in his sport, isn't he? Oh, dude, I love Tony Hawk, man. I used to play Tony Hawk, uh, the video game. I was never good at it, but I just used to, like, cheat because I had cheat codes and stuff. <laughs> he's, a, he's a beast, man. I've never talked he to him. He is a beast. So lucky. Yeah, he's a beast. So you go against yep. your, your one of your favorite boxers. Again, Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Everyone needs to tune in. Yep. We all, um, is there any other places we can find information on you too, Victor? Is, uh, do you have a website or anything? I, I don't, but, I mean, I do uh, this website called uh, CelebritySweat.com, and you'll find me on there. So, uh, you know, we inspire and motivate youngsters around the country, so it's pretty cool. But I'm all over those websites, uh, CelebritySweat.com with Victor Ortiz. Awesome. Fantastic. And uh, good luck in your acting career as well with the whole thing with Ray Donovan on HBO. I'll be checking that as, out as well, hey, Victor. Thank and thanks for taking the time today, okay? Yes, sir.
sure. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Take care, Victor. See you later. Bye-bye. Kevin, are you on the line? I am on the line. Fantastic. Excited to welcome the program. Kevin Lace, he's the author of The Last Punisher, a SEAL Team 3 Sniper's true account of the Battle of Ramadi by Kevin Lace. Kevin, thanks for calling, and thank you for your service. Hey, thank you for having me on. Yeah, I, I tell you, Kevin, when you talk about writing the book, what made you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this down on paper, especially after your experience with American Sniper and being involved in that firsthand and, and everything to write it in a book? Uh, you know, that's a great question. Having worked on American Sniper was a great experience. Um, you know, it was a tragedy that Chris obviously was murdered but yeah. wasn't able to be there and help tell that story. Um, and the response we got back from American Sniper was good. But personally, I always got that question, and it was like, or that statement, I'm sorry you had to go through, you know, what you did in Iraq. And um, it always rubbed me the wrong way because I joined in response to terrorism, 9-11, um, joined the Navy, and, you know, the way the war went, we found ourselves in Iraq. So I wanted to be there. Um, so one of the major themes in The Last Punisher is – based off of uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman's book on killing, and he talks about the two percenters where, you know, two percent of the uh, population in the military can go, engage the enemy, come back, and transition seamlessly. And I, that resonated with me when I first heard Grossman, um, and then when I looked back at my experiences, and I saw how the public perception had changed where if you go overseas, immediately people believe that, you know, you have changed for the negative. Um, and I feel like we don't talk about PTSD correctly when we do that. We do a disservice to people that have PTSD, and we don't we take away from the care that they get. But we also do a disservice to people that don't have PTSD. So with The Last Punisher, we want to talk about that other side where you can go engage, transition, and continue. And, and that's great because I think it's such an important part, Kevin, is that after your service is over, you've protected us, you've protected our country, you need to be able to go back to society, get a job, and be able to have the services that are available for you, Kevin, and how to go about doing that. Because it's a concern that once you get back, you're like, what, what do I do now? I'm so programmed that, as being in the military, especially away from U.S. and come back and, you know, and especially programmed as a sniper to get back into society and not allow and, and to get the right proper services and and find a career is tough, right? You know, I, I would um, I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't it, it was easy, um, you know, to go from four months removed from Iraq, working with a SEAL platoon, to being in a, um, you know, a literary course in college trying to get your core classes knocked out, um, where your political science topics are health care, war, and taxes, and you know a little bit of each. It's, it's kind of frustrating. Um, and I'd also be lying, too, if I said, you know, it's different being a grunt versus being a SEAL. You know, you, you drop the SEAL thing, it's, it's a little bit easier. Um, but right. we can all admit that when you get out, um, there's work involved. You know, and I want veterans to read this book and say, we accomplished all this stuff overseas. We were able to change that battlefield. There's no reason why we can't change whatever landscape, landscape we get into next. I got into medicine, and I wanted to change there. 
Um, but there are a lot of programs afforded for veterans. We need to be proactive. We need to go out and get it. Um, I didn't know some things were attainable with the VA education-wise. I had to go out and get after it. And I think being in the military, you become used to having certain things done for you. And that was an eye-opening experience that now it's on me. I have to remind myself to go to the dentist, where in the military they told me, time to go to the dentist. Yes. You need to be more proactive rather than reactive and change your battlefield. Now, and see, that's a great point. I, I work with a lot of athletes and interview a lot of celebrity athletes after their careers are over, and they go through it in a different way. But then they're so programmed in a certain way of going and traveling, going to teams, and having everyone tell them what to do. Same thing. You now have to get back where you're so programmed to, okay, now I'm with my family. I need to be able to go to outings. I have to understand specific things, schedule doctor's appointments, deal with all the different things, and figure out a career. You were sitting in a classroom in college saying, holy cow, two years ago, I was literally afraid if I was going to live. And now I'm sitting in a college hearing all of these discussionary things, right, Kevin? So it's that kind of situation where people just don't understand what veterans have to go through, especially if they have been in a war, right? Right, you know, and, I, and that was actually four months removed from war that I was sitting in those classrooms. Um, but wow. to the veterans out there, you know, and what we need to hear and what we need to understand and what I try to get through with The Last Punisher is we have done so many things. You know, there is nothing more prestigious. There is nothing more, you know, glorious than being accountable to protect your battle buddy, your shooting buddy, your swim buddy, the person next to you, you know, to lead troops in combat. Um, you know, coming back, I, I had – surpassed my peers in leadership at a very young age and done things that they have never done before. Um, and there's no reason why you can't harness all those lessons and learn all those qualities that you have and lead wherever you go. Uh, don't be afraid to stand up and speak because you have earned it, you've done it, and you have qualities and you have experience that a lot of your peers don't. Um, so don't be afraid. So what's new with you right now, Kevin? You know, you did the American Sniper, you wrote a book. What's else going on in your life for our listeners to know what's going on with you? So uh, I got out of the Navy. I went to the University of Connecticut, um, got my undergrad in political science, and then I went to Wake Forest and got my master's in medical science. I'm a certified physician assistant, um, and I actually work and work with tactical athletes, special operations guys, uh, metabolically to get them back in the fight. Um, we have two practices, one in Alabama, one in Florida, and um, I work as a professional speaker, and, um, you know, I wrote this book. CyberStationUSA.com Terrestrial radio is basically going to be supplanted by what's happening in technology. Think about this. Your internet receiver gives you the entire world. It's remarkable. This is CyberStation USA. wife, Lindsay, and, um, you know, we really want to tell that story of what it's like to be downrange. Um, so when people see on the news or they hear veterans coming back, they can put that, that make that connection um, of what it's like to be in combat because they've read a visceral account of that. Well, congrats on getting your life in order after coming back and having success and graduating from college and then on to other college and now I'm at, um, being involved in this uh place and helping other people in the military. Fantastic, Kevin. You look at, are you ever going to go in front of the screen again? You think you're going to do any other movies ever? 
You see that ever in your future? You know, my, my movie career was a short reel. Um, you know, there was American Sniper, and then, uh, you know, the stunt director from American Sniper, a good friend of mine named Jeff Haberstad, you know, I did a few stunts in Sniper, and he's like, man, I really want to get you see, I want to see you beat up by a chick. Um, so I just passed my medical boards, and I was sitting around getting ready to start work, and he invited me onto the set of Ant-Man, the Marvel comic movie, and I'm in the vault scene with Evangeline Lilly and Paul Rudd and Mike Douglas, and I get beat up by Evangeline Lilly. And that last fall that I took was the um, last of my career, and I think movie uh, acting is, is done for me. All right. Well, you're doing great, and best of luck in the book. Uh, best place we can find information on you and learn about you. We can purchase the book in all finer bookstores, Amazon, all those places available. But where else we can find info on you, Kevin? Where can we go? Uh, so you can uh, go to www.kevinlace.com uh, um, or go to Simon & Schuster. You can check out me on Twitter, Dauber246, uh, Instagram, Real Kevin Lace, or Kevin Dauber Lace on Facebook. All right, Kevin, best of luck. Thanks for calling, man, and take care. Appreciate it, Neil. Thank you. Everyone, and welcome to Total Spotlight Show. You can check me out on Twitter at Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Total Tutor, Pinterest, Neil Haley, Google Plus, and also Periscope at Total Tutor. And I'm excited first to welcome the program my co-host, WPL Hall of Famer, UNLV running rep, ESPN analyst, Coach Karen Hall. Coach, how are you? Neil, I'm doing good today, Neil. I love our Fridays, and, you know, we get to speak to such interesting guests, and I'd like to just go ahead and welcome our next guest. He's the director of athletics at Robert Morris University, Craig Coleman. Craig, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's great to talk with you again. Looking forward to – uh, you sharing with our listeners your experience, and uh, we really always like to start, Craig, with finding out about your background. Like, how did you, what was sports like for you growing up, or, you know, what was it that drew you to the world of wonderful athletics as you are a director now? So where did that all begin for you? Take us from well, you, early years. You know, it, uh, I always competitive, always loved sports. Football was my true love. Um, played competitively until my ankles couldn't take it anymore. I don't think I have any ligaments left on my ankles. I think it's all scar tissue. Ended up, uh, while I was in college, though, coaching my younger sister, who was a softball pitcher. Um, So I I learned a lot about that sport and coached her uh, right up through into the the travel ball um, circuit. Um, And then uh, in the meantime, I I was – pre-med in college and went to medical school, uh, which certainly doesn't give you any hint as to how I got to where I am now, but right. um, uh, moved to Pittsburgh. I'm a Philadelphia native, moved to Pittsburgh uh, to do my training in, in child and adolescent psychiatry at University of Pittsburgh um, and ended up staying. And while I was here, I, I was first coaching uh, travel softball here. Um, and then uh, got the job coaching at Robert Morris in the 1990-91 school year. Uh, did that as a part-timer while still practicing medicine and um, working administratively at UPMC. Um, and then uh, we had a, our previous athletic director had a very uh, unfortunate um, 
unfortunately was diagnosed with cancer and uh, passed away just weeks later. Um, and I applied for the job, and uh, to my surprise, uh, I got it. And uh, that was 11 years ago. I've continued to coach, um, and uh, and that's how I ended up in this in this spot. A little bit of a circuitous route, but that's how I did it. Well, you know, it's such a great journey. I want to uh, have you flash back a little bit and go back to, uh, you know, when you first started playing football and the whole piece of, like, how did football start for you? Were there others that you've seen? Like, you know, how did that become something that you picked up as a prester? Um, I think probably because I, I was a fan of the sport from a very young age. Um, and so I wanted to play it. And of course I was not built for speed by any means. So I play, I got to play the offensive and defensive line and particularly like the defensive line. But I, unfortunately I inherited some really, really bad, um, some really, really bad ankles from my dad as as well as some other things. And it, it could only take me so far. I was, if there was a hole to be stepped in, I stepped in it. And, uh, so I was constantly just tearing, tearing them up and tearing them up. And it became clear that, you know, you can't play much of a power position if you, if, if you've got very weak ankle strength and that was the end of it for me. And, um, even in college, um, I, I, we had a campus, uh, cable TV station back in those days at the University of Pennsylvania, and I was the sports director, and I called the uh, the play-by-play for our men's basketball team, including uh, when we went to the uh, Final Four in 1979, where we in the same Final Four with Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. Um, <clears throat> So always, always sort of been around it. Didn't really ever think that it would become a career. Truthfully, right. now I was going to say, but it has. Uh, uh, Craig, choosing your career. Did you seeing that opportunity, meaning the career, your first career before being an athletic director? Did you right. see in a lot of ways athletics relate to going to med school and stuff in ways of different, how keeping that competitive urge or or striving for the very best. Especially when you, um, I don't yeah. think I mean I don't think there's a whole lot from the athletics world that necessarily applied much to um, medicine, but I will say that um, having done this job for a while, it became clear to me I, I didn't understand how anybody could do this job without having been trained as a psychiatrist first, <laughs> um, because uh-huh. you're you're constantly dealing with yes. with conflict with with human beings, with an administrative structure and so on. And you really need to, to understand people and understand systems. And I find myself doing some form of family therapy or group therapy all the time. Um, I just don't bill for it. I just don't bill for it anymore. And I don't, and it's not labeled that way anymore, but, but there's no doubt that that training um, and that experience has, uh, has, has given me, um, some skills that I think a lot of folks don't necessarily have in this position. On the other hand, not having grown up in this field, it took me a long time to really learn what I needed to learn to do the job from a technical point of view. And I'm still learning every day uh, about that. But, um, you know, I think that, that, that that's really the overlap that I see between the two careers. Mm-hmm. 
So on the academic side, as you're going through your undergrad and then you're in medical school, so mm-hmm. were you thinking athletics at all at that time? Was that even um, a snapshot window or anything in your view? A little bit. Here's where. When, when, because of my experience at our campus TV station, um, I, I, as well as many of the other folks that, we, that, that worked down there with me, were offered jobs in TV. Um, I was. I actually had a job offer from NBC, um, oh and, and and to work in programming and sports programming. So so my thought at that time, what, I, I had a decision to make whether to stick with my original plan of going to medical school or or, or diverging from that plan and, and and going into TV and and preferably into sports TV sports programming, whether it be um, whether it be as a uh, as an on-air uh, play-by-play person, which is what I was doing in college, or mm-hmm. I had an opportunity at NBC to help evaluate um, entertainment programming. Um, in the end, I stuck with the original plan, but but uh, all through college, I was very much involved in our intercollegiate program, doing coaches' interview shows, play-by-play, and so on. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, I was coaching as well. Um, all throughout college and medical school, and then on into my medical career, coaching was always a, a, a very important uh, side occupation for me, uh, and mm-hmm. one that I that I love very much. Well, I mean, I think it's <laughs> fitting because you know, and, and you know, I can say uh, Craig is quite uh, creative and colorful, and you can tell even in his description of his broadcasting career. And as a producer, I got to hear some of those stories. But as an athletic director um, and thinking about your path, you now deal with men's and women's athletics and having coached softball. Did that give you an idea? Like, did you know anything about coaching women and the whole idea of women's sports prior to and, I guess, along your journey as becoming an athletic director? You know, I've coached – Women's um, a, a women's sports softball since I guess 1977. Um, okay. So, oh, wow. um, how? But I was, you know, I was awfully young myself at the time. I was I was 20 right. years old when I started doing that, and and right. um, I, I can honestly say that it is it is uh, it is still a challenge, and there is still a learning curve. Um, in, in coaching men or women, and um, and and part of that is because, first of all, it's, uh, every, every group of kids is different, uh, yes. so you're always faced with with different different situations. Um, but also, the, the nature of kids has changed quite dramatically over that time. Um, kid, you know, they, they, there's lots of people talking about you know how the millennials. Are a very different generation right. than any generation that preceded them, and and a lot of. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.